The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday morning. Give me a chance to be part of your day. Greatly appreciate it. Hope things are going well as we come to the end of kind of the, the first full week of December, looking, enjoying all that December brings and enjoying the upcoming Christmas and all of that. Hope you're enjoying church as coming up this next couple of weeks. We're going to be looking at different, in our church here at Grace, looking at different aspects of the Christmas story, uh, Mary's response to the, the different messages that came, Mary's response response to the message that she's going to have a child next week, Joseph's response uh, to the fact that he was going to have a child, and then the shepherd's response to these messages, and then of course Christmas Eve service, a lot going on. If you're local here, we'd invite you to those things. Uh, check our website out for those details, uh, but we encourage you to, uh, if you're not local, find a church and, and enjoy time and celebrate Jesus during this time. If you're following along with us in Scripture, we are in Matthew uh, chapter 26. Uh, jumping into 26, we finished what is called the Olivet Discourse, at least many call it that, and we're moving into really jumping right into the last few days of Jesus, at least initially, in earthly ministry. He was, after he rose again, he was seen many times over the next several days, but the ministry kind of ends at the cross, and then there's his transition period where he is preparing his disciples and getting them ready uh, for him to ascend and his disciples to go out and start and plant and establish the church in his name. So that's coming. So what we see now is we see this beginning where we're looking at the point where Jesus, um, the process starts and how it's takes for Jesus to find himself in this uh, trial and ultimately on the cross. Please remember that while we will look at a list of things that seem like, over the next several episodes, it seem like um, everything seems to be working against Jesus and all these manipulative things, please remember that most of it was prophesied and Jesus knows these things. So uh, as we look at this, we, it just shows the grace of our Savior willing to go through these things knowing what's going on and the love he shows to people who are absolutely betraying him. So let's look at a couple sections of scripture here today. The first one is in verse 26 where it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus has finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. And chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. But they said not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people. So Jesus is coming to the end and he sits down and he's sitting down uh, with his disciples. In a couple days um, comes this feast of Passover and he's saying, this is the appointed time. This is the prophesied time. This is the time that I am going to be crucified. Now, please remember Jesus had placed warnings and had been telling his disciples about these things coming up, probably not as straightforward as what we've just read here, but he had been looking ahead, talking ahead about what's going to happen. And if you remember, we've mentioned before that the disciples didn't see it. All they saw was Jesus was coming, he's going to sit on the throne, and it's another reminder that when our minds are so clouded with our truth, what we want Jesus to do, what we believe is true, that if we don't, we're not careful, 
we will find ourselves missing truth, what Jesus is teaching us. We'll go to scripture and say, God says this, and we'll find a way to adapt it to our truth instead of humbly coming to scripture and saying, what can I do and how can I grow? What does this teach me? So that's an important principle. So he gives that. We do know later that they hidden secret, granted Jesus knew, uh, but there was this deception in the background by the religious leaders with the desire not just to disgrace Jesus, but the simple answer is we got to kill him. So how, how do we find a way to kill this man? I want you to consider this. The religious leaders of the day, their answer was, how do we kill this man? These were not good men, and I hope we catch that. But I want to focus the rest of our attention in the next section of Scripture. This anointing that comes um, in preparation for Jesus' crucifixion and burial. Let's go ahead and read this again. This is in verse number six. It says, And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flax of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head and he, as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why the waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. And when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? She has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not always have. For in the pouring of this fragrant oil on my head, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, that what this woman has done will also be told to her memorial. Now, this woman is Mary. And uh, again, every even gospels give different aspects. Uh, one of the other parts is the disciples who were indignant. Prank. If we go to the book of John, mostly what you're seeing is Judas was the one being indignant. So let me let me just kind of break down what's happening here. He's sitting at Simon's house. He's sitting about two miles southeast of Jerusalem. And he's kind of preparing for these final days. He's sitting with friends, and Mary comes and uh, anoints his head. Uh, anointing now. Whether she, you know, fully understood, I have a tendency to believe she did understand what was about to happen. Um, she came, maybe she wasn't as dead set as the other people and what they wanted to happen, but she anointed him. Obviously, she had a specific reason. He bragged in her and said this would be taught for years, as it is right now, anytime the crucifixion comes up. Uh, and so she recognized, at least it seems like she recognized the true nature of why Jesus had come and what was about to happen. And in that, she's preparing that. She's preparing him for what, whether she just felt the letter of the Lord of a do it or knew what she was doing, she put that out there. What we see, though, okay, well, let's look at this. This was a uh, some ointment that was put up, and, and it says a costly amount here. Technically, if you were to look into it, it's actually one year's wages. This oil would have cost her one year's wages. So now we look back, one year's wages might have been a couple hundred dollars or whatever in our line. So calculate your yearly gross annual income and think, what would you buy and would you take it? Would you buy a fragrance that costs 60, 80, 150, 200, 300,000 dollars? And then in one day dump the entire thing, not a small amount, the entire thing on the head of Jesus. You know, a lot of times in today's day and age, we have a hard time just giving a small portion of our time. We have a hard time keeping Jesus at the center of everything we do. Jesus becomes a convenience. And we've got a million reasons why can't make church on Sunday because we've got a lot of other things going on, but we don't seem to miss anything else in life. Church seems to become the thing we miss. 
uh, because we're and we miss it because we're just not really keeping Jesus at the center. Don't get me wrong. We'll say I don't like the music. I don't like this. I don't like that. Well, then one find a place you can do that. But I think it really comes down less to that. I think it comes down when we're, if we're looking for excuses to not be in church and not be doing this, we will always find it. We need to realize that when we're coming back to worshiping our Savior, this has to not be about me, about someone else at church, about things aren't done my way. We need to get back to making sure that our worship and our dedication is about Christ and about Christ alone. Because we're, Satan's always going to put people in our path or someone there that can hurt us, can frustrate us, hypocrites, whatever term we want to use. She comes unashamedly and dumps some a year's worth of wages on her Savior, showing her commitment of absolute extreme love. I guess I ask the question, are we willing to have that kind of commitment to our Savior today. This is interesting in the, in the passage we're examining. We're looking ahead to the cross while we sit in the middle of the Christmas season. And I, I, as we said, we've said in church that Jesus came not just to be a baby, he came to die. So wrapping these two together, this is the timing of how the book of Matthew worked out. But having this wrapped together, I think, is an intriguing time that as we go through Christmas, we're reminded of why Christ came. May we take from this challenge that it's okay to not, it's not just giving money or time, but this is, God is more important than anything else in our life. And we shouldn't say, I have my life and then I have God, let me balance it out. Boy, our life should be Jesus is at the center and I balance everything else around that. And every decision I make, yes, it's okay to say no to your kids about activities so they can come to church. It's okay to say no to other people about it. It's okay not to take a promotion at work so that you can keep church and Jesus at the center. Actually, those are good things, that we put Jesus above every, every decision we make is, does it fit into my commitment to my Savior? That's the key. And that's the question I would ask today as we look at this. Now, here's the thing. Not everybody's going to think it's good that you did that. He, J Judas gets up there and he's like, what in the world? You could have sold all that and given it to the poor. By the way, go back to, for, again, the Gospel of John. You're going to find out it, had, it was not any intention for Judas to take what was given and give it to the poor. Judas was stealing. And so he wanted it for himself. And he's like, man, how old that? I could have had this. I could have had that. And, and please understand, there are going to be some who are going to say, Pastor, you don't need to do this. And, you know, they're going to criticize maybe because you're too extreme. That is what Judas did. Okay. I've learned a lot of people, they have super spiritual answers on all of this, but they miss some of the most simplistic parts of their walk with God. And if we are using spiritual, biblical things to justify not doing spiritual things, then we find ourselves in the same spot as Judas in this. And I know this is a little straightforward, but I hope we challenge as we come into this Christmas season, and not just because it's a Christmas season, as we finish 2023 and move into 2024, may we be more like Mary and be willing to make Jesus the number one, make Jesus the center of our life, and make all of our life revolve around that revolve around our walk with Jesus, our decisions, what we do, uh, church attendance, all that is based upon Jesus. It's not based upon all the other things of the world because, frankly, when all those things are gone, do they matter? Because what we invest our time in is what we are saying matters to us. And are we putting our families around Jesus? Are we telling them that Jesus is more important? Are we telling them things of the world are? That's a challenge I would give. Now, if we were to read the next section, Judas apparently got so angry, he runs off and he goes to portray Jesus. He was so done with all of this. And it's intriguing that when the pressure comes, what we really are comes out. And that's what I would challenge as we look at this. May we, like Mary, be unashamed about being willing just to pour out our love on Jesus and make him the most important part 
of what we're doing and then let him take care of all these other things. Well, again, thanks for joining us today as we take a few minutes in God's word. Hope it's an encouragement. Today is a bit of a challenge, but I really see it as an encouragement that we be reminded that our life needs to be focused around Jesus and around all the things that are pulling us at all different levels. Well, I do appreciate the time you've given me, the encouragement you've given to me to uh, be allowed to uh, be uh, speak into your life. I uh, hope it's a help. Thanks for joining us. Uh, stick with us again as we'll come back tomorrow and pick up where we left off here. Thanks for joining us today. We do look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.